International Baptist College is a dynamic ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler. IBC offers three Bachelor of Arts degrees and four graduate degrees. The professors at IBC desire to teach students how to think, live, and lead from a conservative biblical worldview. Whether you are pursuing a degree or laying a biblical foundation for your life, IBC will mentor you into ministry. Please check out our website at ibconline.edu or call 1-800-IBC-4858 for more information. There are a lot of things that discourage us as we serve the Lord. And one of the things, one of the great difficulties that people face in their service for the Lord is just plain discouragement. I'm Celeste Montague. Welcome to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, featuring the teaching of senior pastor Dr. Kevin Shaw. Dare to Stand is on the radio to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who will listen, to carefully teach the truth of God's Word, and to encourage a healthy lifestyle of worshiping and honoring God. For more details about Dare to Stand or the ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church, please visit www.daretostand.org or call the church at 623-581-3115. You can receive a free MP3 copy of today's message or the entire series in MP3 format for a small fee by contacting the church. Today, we continue our study in the book of Ezra as we follow the journey of God's people as they return from exile back to their land and rebuild their temple. It's been a long and difficult period of time, and they're tired. There are a lot of different emotions being triggered by all their experiences. Let's listen as Pastor Shaw brings us part one of a message titled, Avoiding Discouragement. And we'll be in various passages of Scripture, including 1 Kings, Haggai, and of course, Ezra. Here's Dr. Kevin Shaw. Haggai chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Hey, um, we are going to be in at least three different passages of Scripture this morning. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 8. Uh, we're going to be in Haggai 2, and we're going to be in Ezra 5. You say, why in all those all at the same time? Well, they all relate to one another. Uh, Haggai 2 and Ezra 5 in particular, because they're happening at the same time. And then 1 Kings chapter 8 is a matter of comparison. And so we begin in verse 1 here. It says, in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying... You say, didn't we just have a message like this? Yes, we just did. Now it's the second message after they have built the temple. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the governor of uh, the governor and Joshua, the son the governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people. It's not very encouraging when you're referred to as the residue, is it? Who is left among you? 
that saw this house in her first glory. He's referring to Solomon's temple. And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to deal with discouragement and the discouraging things that Satan whispers in our ears. Sometimes, Lord, we even dream those things up all by ourselves. And we manage somehow to discourage ourselves. Lord, I pray that we will remember your greatness in our weakness. Your greatness in our smallness. Your greatness in our insignificance. And Lord, help us to glory in that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a lot of things that discourage us as we serve the Lord. And one of the things, one of the great difficulties that people face in their service for the Lord is just plain discouragement. And sometimes it's opposition. And we saw that as we were going through Ezra chapter 4. All the different ways in which, you know, we're going to join with you, and then we're going to intimidate you, and then we're going to get the lawyers against you, and that, you know, and all of those, those kinds of things that were going on as the children of Israel were coming back trying to rebuild the temple. And of course, then there was the distraction. They, got, they allowed the discouragement to become distracted, and then they were building their own houses and tending to their own things because they just you know, started to make the excuse, it's just not, it's, not, it's just not the right time for us to obey the Lord. It's always the right time to obey the Lord, you know that. But along the way, we face setbacks and failures. One of the things that discourages us, though, is the sense of being inferior. I remember when I was in high school, um, we had the first ever fine arts competition for American Association of Christian Schools in Arizona. I was part of the very first one. We've been doing it every year since for many, many years, and our kids have been involved in that. Well, I I remember that, um, you know, I was involved in music at our school, and I was going to sing a solo in the fine arts competition for American Association of Christian Schools. And, you know, I'd been involved in music and done a lot of different things, and I thought I did pretty well, you know. We had this gospel song that I sang, and I got up and I, you know, did that, and, you know, everybody thought it was pretty good. And then Forrest Connor, some of you know Forrest, got up and sang one of the solos from The Messiah, now, if he had sung that first, I don't know if I would have sung at all. <laughs> have you ever had that experience? Ladies, maybe you're, you're making some special, you know, baking something special in your kitchen, and then you show up at the potluck, and some other lady brings something, and you just want to hide your thing. <laughs> or you're in art class, Right? And you're doing your painting and everybody else is doing their painting, whatever it is. And then you, you know, walk around and you see what somebody else has done. And you want to just hide what you're doing. Some of you guys, your golf game is like that. 
we compare ourselves among ourselves and then discourage ourselves. Well, here's what had happened to the children of Israel. The temple had been destroyed. The city of Jerusalem had been destroyed in the various deportations between 605 B.C. and 586 B.C. The temple, the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. They'd been 70 years in captivity. Now at the beginning of Ezra, and that's how we got here to Haggai as we've been going through the book of Ezra. The beginning of Ezra, Cyrus says, go back and rebuild the temple. He gives them the vessels of the temple. They take the time to take that long, arduous journey back. They get to the land of Israel, which has now been laid waste for 70 years. And 70 years of being laid waste can really accomplish a lot of things. Now, if you're in a desert type of country, things can stay the same. But if you're in a jungle type of country, things can completely disappear. And so Jerusalem itself is basically a pile of rubble with some squatters living among it. And the animals are feeding among the stones that have been the greatness of the temple. The people go and they try to set things up and they, they get things set up. And we saw that wonderful day, the Feast of Tabernacles day, in which they gather together to Jerusalem and they begin to lay the foundations for Jerusalem. And then there was that story that at the end of Ezra chapter 3, when it says as they're laying the foundations and they're rejoicing and the young people are shouting with joy, there are these older ones. I do think it is amazing that those older people, because you're talking captivity for 70 years, that there were, there were people old enough in that group to remember, not just have been there, but to remember what the first temple was like. Sometimes, and it's not just because I'm getting closer to it. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting closer to it. We dismiss... Those people who are older serving the Lord is less significant. And their, their work and their effort is important. And, and sometimes it takes a lot more effort. And you had people who were very aged, who made that trip from Babylon all the way back and were participating. And so what, what happened was there was, at that day, there was this shouting of rejoicing and great weeping all at the same time. And, and the book of Ezra describes it so that the, the sound of weeping and the sound of rejoicing all mixed together and it just sort of sounded like one thing. You couldn't, you couldn't discern one from the other. But here's the question to ask ourselves. Why were they weeping? We say, well, they were... They were weeping for joy. I don't think so. Why were some of the people weeping at the completion of the temple rebuild? Dr. Shaw will be back to answer that question. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dare to Stand and Dr. Kevin Shaw as we study the book of Ezra and the journey of God's people as they returned to their land after their exile was over. Today is part one of a message titled, Avoiding Discouragement. 
Dare to Stand is a radio outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church. Please visit daretostand.org for more details about Dr. Shaw's church or this radio program. Here's Dr. Shaw to talk about an addiction recovery ministry going on at his church, Northwest, called Freedom That Lasts. Hello, this is Kevin Shaw. Are you or someone you know dealing with the agony of an addiction? You cannot change what you do until you let God change who you are. Freedom That Lasts is a discipleship ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church that applies the life-transforming principles of the gospel and Christian growth to the problems of life-dominating sins and addictions. All of this happens in an atmosphere of love and accountability. If you would like to know more information about this important ministry, give us a call at 623-581-3115 or visit our website at daretostand.org. Go to the homepage and click the Discipleship Connections button. Thank you, Dr. Shaw. Please contact Northwest Valley Baptist Church for more details about the addiction recovery ministry called Freedom That Lasts. And now let's get back to Dr. Shaw as he talks more about all the emotions that people were experiencing as they considered all they had been through with their exile, all that they had lost, and now how they were trying to rebuild their lives. There are all kinds of emotions that go through someone like that. You know, seven, you know, 70 years lost. A lifetime of lost and remembered um, the temple in its former glory and have seen, you know, sometimes younger people who are growing up in hard times don't realize what they missed in the great times because all they've known is the hard times. And sometimes people who are growing up in the great times have no idea what they have because they never experienced the hard times. And so here, here is a group of people that have has seen both and they, see, they have seen the sacrifice, and they've seen the hardship, and they've seen the, the difficulty, and they remember, they remember Jerusalem. So as they're gathered together at Jerusalem, and they're laying the foundation stones for this new temple, they see that little hill over there, and they see that place over there, and they remember the people that traipse through these streets, and they remember the greatness of the city, and they, uh, they remember all of those things. And you say, well, what is it? They remember all the hard times. They remember the stories about the the attack upon Jerusalem by the Assyrians. And they remember Solomon's temple. And, and they can see all of these things in their mind's eye that aren't there anymore. And they look at the young people who are rejoicing at these stones that are being laid in this temple. And to them... And it's clear it happens later on because Haggai says this. Now, where we are in Haggai in chapter 2 here is 15 years later. But it's still the same mentality. It just, it's just not, it just doesn't compare. It just doesn't compare. And there are times that we do that. We do that with churches. We do that with individuals. We think, you know, we're, we're serving the Lord, but boy, there was a time when there were these great churches and people getting saved. And I was just at Dave Sproul's funeral. You know, hundreds of people getting saved a week. And the, it doesn't seem like that kind of thing is happening, at least in the United States of America today. And it's easy sometimes to allow those things to discourage you in the work of the Lord. And there are some people, I mean, they're well-meaning people saying, boy, pastor, we're in terrible shape. You know, things aren't happening like they used to. And there were things used to be that, you know, don't. It's like, 
I don't know if you know this, but most pastors are aware of that. And believe me, it isn't like we're content with where things are. If we could somehow flip a switch someplace and go back 50 years, I mean, wouldn't you do that? In the 1950s, in the 1950s, Billy Graham preached in New York City and filled Madison Square Garden every night for months. Can you imagine like something like that happening in the United States of America today? And so they get discouraged, they get distracted because that's what happens to us. Is we when we start to think that the work that we are doing is not that significant compared with what God has done in the past or what God is doing in other places or what God is accomplishing someplace in the world, it is easy for us to get discouraged. And it is easy for you to get discouraged, maybe it's about you know, something that is going on in your own family. You know, you're facing hardship, you're facing difficulty, you're facing spiritual trials, you're facing financial difficulties, and it's very easy to say, you know, I just don't matter that much. And then, of course, Haggai comes along, and he preaches this message. He preaches this message, consider your ways. And they begin to realize, wait a minute, we have been under the chastising hand of God. We saw that in Haggai 1. And so they're under the chastising hand of God. You know, you, you plant a lot of seed, not much grows. You take all of that seed, and you put it in a bag, and you take it home, and it's like your bag had a hole in it. And so by the time you get home, it's all gone. And whatever remnant is left, you cook food, and what you cook, it doesn't satisfy. And there's, you're not satisfied with drink, and, and you think, well, these are just the hard circumstances I'm, li- I'm living in. And God is saying to you, and sometimes he's saying to us, I think maybe you ought to pay attention because I might have something to do with how that is working. See, this is, the, this is the danger, and this was last week's message, when we prioritize ourselves. It doesn't necessarily mean that that will reap the benefit that we think it will. When you put God first, God makes other things first too. He makes other things work. And so, there's this revival in the land of Israel. There's a revival under Haggai. And the revival is the, the people are they're challenged, and they drop what they're doing, and they build the temple. And they're doing the work of God. And now God gives them a message. He says, this is what I want you to tell to the governor and to the leaders and all of these people. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And I can see, can you see it? Some elderly Israelites raising up wrinkly, shaky hands. Maybe, maybe speaking out, I saw it. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 8. It had been 480 years since the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt. That's what it says in chapter 7. Solomon began to build the house. Actually, chapter 6 verse 1 is what it says. In the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt, 
in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month Ziph, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. For 480 years, the children of Israel had been worshiping in a tent. Now, it was some tent, but it was still a tent. It was a temporary dwelling. David had wanted to build a temple. I mean, 480 years, that's... What was going on in the world 480 years ago? We take a look between Moses, you know, coming out of the land of Egypt and Solomon building the temple. And for us, as you're reading through scripture, it's just sort of a blip. That's a long period of time. Dr. Shaw will be back with a little more insight into what God's people had experienced over the years with regard to the past splendor of Solomon's original temple, and all that it meant to them as a people. You're listening to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, where our teacher, Dr. Kevin Shaw, serves as senior pastor. Northwest Valley Baptist Church is located at 4030 West Yorkshire Drive in Glendale. That's just south of the 101 at 40th Avenue. Sunday worship service is at 930 a.m., Adult Bible studies and Sunday school for all ages are at 11 a.m. And Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. Child care is provided for all services. Wednesday evening activities include prayer meetings, children's and teens programs. Northwest Valley Baptist Church also offers a quality traditional Christian education for your children, grades K-12, through at Arrowhead Christian Academy, located right on the church property at 40th Avenue and Yorkshire Drive. For more details about the church, kids' programs, this radio broadcast, or to register your kids for Arrowhead Christian Academy, please visit www.daretostand.org or call 623-581-3115. If you enjoy listening to this radio program, please consider supporting Dare to Stand with a tax-deductible donation of any amount. Visit daretostand.org. Follow the link to the church website at nwvbc.org, where you can also download free copies of Pastor Shaw's sermons. Call us at Northwest and let us minister to you personally in any way we can. Call 623-581-3115 today. Remember, you can listen to Dare to Stand on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on this same radio station. And you're always welcome to visit Northwest Valley Baptist Church in person for Sunday morning services at 9.30 a.m. and Sunday evening teaching and discipleship at 6 p.m. And I'm Celeste Montague, encouraging you to tune in next time as we continue our study in the book of Ezra. And now, here's Dr. Shaw with some closing thoughts about Solomon's Temple, a magnificent structure that was still in the minds and hearts of the exiles. Join us next time for more, right here on Dare to Stand. And so Solomon begins, and Solomon was a, was a master administrator. He was just a master leader. Built Jerusalem, built Israel to its, to its height in its glory. And so he was excellent with his ability to communicate and make peace with nations around while David brought 
the children of Israel to a place of glory through war, Solomon brought the children of Israel to a place of even more glory through, through peace and diplomacy. And he became wealthy, extravagantly wealthy. The nation of Israel became so wealthy. I mean, this is, this is the high point. If you were to look at Jewish history throughout all of the Old Testament, we're going we're to ask a question and say, what day would probably be considered among the Jews the high water mark for all of Israel in all of the Old Testament? The place you would probably put your finger is 1 Kings chapter 8. Because what happens in 1 Kings chapter 8? In 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon has built his temple, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And 1 Kings chapter 8 is dedication day. And Solomon was not only wise, he was a showman. He knew how to put on a production. <laughs> 